Am I forgetting anything, Pat? Nope. You sure? Nope. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Repeater. My name is Evan. And I'm Pat. And uh, today uh, we're recording in a different room here in the training center because the training center is hosting the Satire and Humor Festival, first ever in New York City. It's very, very cool. Uh, and we are joined by uh, satire writer, humor writer, and comedian Taylor Guerin. Hey everyone, how's it going? Hey. Um, thanks for uh, taking a little slice out of your, your weekend of the festival to join us. Of course. This is so exciting and a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we, you were on our live, our last live show, mm-hmm. which was very fun. Uh, listeners will get to hear that soon. It'll kind of drop right after the season. Um, but it's a, a super fun show where we counted down the top songs of 2009. Uh, but that's not what we're here to do today. Today, we're going to talk to Taylor about a song that got her through the last year. That's the theme of this season. And before we kind of flash back to that, we're going to talk about something we've been listening to lately. So recently, I've been listening to the new Pup album, uh, Morbid mm-hmm. Stuff. Uh, it is so, so good. Uh, yeah. It feels like a distillation of their first two albums. It just turned up to 11. It's so much fun. The guitar solos are great. Um, and there's two songs on there that I really love. There's one called Closure mm. uh, that's just a very clear and to-the-point song about needing closure on something bad that's mm-hmm. happened. Sure. Uh, and I relate to that. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then there's another one called Full Down, Full Full Blown Meltdown that they played at Mercury Lounge that when that song, when they started that song, my brain fell out of my head. It didn't feel like a song that I ever saw them playing, but now it's the only thing I can think about. And it yeah. sounds like a full-blown melt- meltdown and a little bit like Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, I'm excited for that album. I just pre-ordered it yesterday, it. actually. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been listening to, there's two tracks that stand out. One is the new uh, Lizzo-Missy Elliott collab. Oh my God, yep. Tempo, Masterpiece. Which is really... I mean, talk about a current legend, you know, and <laughs> a legend from probably like when we were kids. Totally. Um, so very cool. Uh, it just rules. I don't know. There's not much to say about it other than like, if you like either of those artists, you're going to love that song. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and the other one is I stumbled upon, I'd never listened to this band uh, Potty Mouth before, although I, know, I hear they're pretty popular, uh, but they have a song called Massachusetts. And it was like, I was listening to the album. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. A song about my home state. <laughs> I was like, sweet as hell. Um, it's a good, it's a good tune. It's a rocker. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Don't hear a lot of like mass oriented um, rock out there these days. Totally. Um, went to school with Potty Mouth, fun fact. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Well, they they were, I when I was in college in Western Mass, they mm-hmm. were like uh, coming up on the scene in Western Mass. So I saw them in like their early days, not to brag. Not to brag. <laughs> um, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. And you're also a Massachusetts native. I am. Right? I'm also from, where are you from? I'm from Winchester. Oh, we've talked about this, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm from beautiful, historic New Bedford. New Bedford, yeah. New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, it's yeah. fishing town. The other yeah. side of uh, the other side of Boston. Yeah, um, people don't realize that there are more cities in Massachusetts than just Boston, but in <laughs> yeah. fact, there are. Hundreds. Oh yeah, for real. Hundreds. For real. Um, let's see. I've kind of regressed recently. <laughs> um, I feel like I get I hit like a 
a wall when it comes to like mid February in terms of like, I'm just, I'm sad and I need just to like get through the rest of the winter. So mm-hmm. I like listen to music that makes me feel happy and not necessarily like go out of my way to find new sure. stuff. Um, so I've been listening to a lot of MF doom. Um, cause it's just classic. Um, I think rhymes like dimes is a perfect song. Yeah. It's like a masterpiece. Um, what else I'm listening to? Hmm. I guess a lot of that. Oh, I also am rediscovering Blind Melon's self-titled album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was released the year I was born, but <laughs> No Rain is my favorite song of all time. That's a fun thing. Oh, wow. Um, but I have been listening to that a lot again. And I think people maybe know that one very popular song by them, but yeah. like haven't really listened to any other stuff by them. Yeah. And it's actually like very grungy and like mm-hmm. dirty and yeah. like sad. Yeah. The other like kind of light song, is it from that album? Is that, is that Change? Is yeah, that's from too? that one too. That's like an acoustic one. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I, I always remember liking that song when I was younger too. Totally. Sleepy House is on there too and they that's like a kind of a light one, but everything else is just like, my friends have betrayed me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm an addict. So like, what? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that was the vibe back then. Like, totally. If you were a rock band, it's like, stuff had to be grungy. Kind Absolutely. Of, or, else, or else you were really like an outlier. Yeah. Like, a weirdo. <laughs> the cafe I work at, my I was listening to that album the other day and my boss came in and was like, what is this like? rock music that you're listening to which is always a signal for i need to change the music into something that's like more appropriate mm-hmm. um but so now so far mf doom and blind melon are two things that i cannot listen to while i'm bracing damn yeah uh, unfair. It's absolutely fine. unfair i'm over it <laughs> <laughs> um but uh that's, that's not some new music but um or or music we're listening to currently sure not new but um mm-hmm. we're here to talk about some music from the past year a song from the past year so uh, we're going to kind of set the stage, as we've been doing all season, with a couple sort of current events from the past year. Uh, Pat, you want to kick us off with one of them? Sure. Uh, this year, we found out that the L train would actually not being not being shut down. Not being was shut not down. being shut down for repairs for, what was it, like eight months, 12 months? Oh, the original shutdown of it was going to be a full year and a half. Yeah, right? that was uh, almost two years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't live in Brooklyn, so I didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, so that happened like pretty recently, a couple months ago, a month ago, they announced that they weren't going to shut down the L train full time. And this is after, I mean, years of like debate about what's going on with the L train because originally there were multiple proposals about would they close, would they partially close it for three years or would they do a full closure for a year and a half? Would 14th street become, or is it Houston? Would Houston become like this? Buses only, pedestrian, Wonderland, when you come over the bridge so oh that people... I mean, there have been, like, so many things. Yeah. People, like, moved out of, like, yes. places that, like, neighborhoods that are on the L train to, like, prevent this. People gave up, like, crazy good real estate. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. To not be a part of this. And yeah. now they're all being told that it's, like, like, whoops. Fine. <laughs> like, we're going to close stuff on weekends and nights, uh, like every other train in New York. Yeah. Know? The diagram that they released uh, about the L train tunnel to show how they were going to fix it. Basically looked like they were just kind of putting band-aids on the walls. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, that's... That's very New York, though, I It's feel like, like a... Sh- yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like a... Sh- they're building, like, a shelf. That's yeah. what they're doing, basically. And they're also leaving... Because, like, the difference, too, is knocking out this whole previous infrastructure uh, and and replacing it. And now what they're doing is, like, leaving that old infrastructure for the and most just part like- there and putting just, like, other stuff in the tunnel. Yeah. Well, it's fine because the subway is good and runs effectively yeah. and can handle all of these people. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, that's what it was specifically designed for in the yeah. 1800s. <laughs> 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 um, the thing that bothers me the most about it, and I'm going to get political here, Please y'all, do. sorry. 
um, is that they're like, yeah, we're just going to, it's going to operate during the day. So people that work nine to five jobs can like get to their, get to work and like get back home. We're just going to close nights and weekends so that poor people who work overnight places or like work in the service industry, like early in the morning or very late at night or on the weekends, right. um, have to struggle yeah. even more than they already do because you're working a service job. But right. like at least like the really wealthy people that like, you know, are creative directors that live in Williamsburg and like their giant lofts <laughs> are like going to be fine and unaffected. Yeah. And yeah. also like, it's just, um, it's the part of the discussion is not like, well, where does the L train like go? Yeah. Where does it end up? Well, it ends up in Canarsie. Like it does not end up in Williamsburg. Yeah. You know, it's like, like the people that that train serves are from like a whole diverse set of backgrounds and jobs and all that type of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But consider, um, I don't know, consider all like the software engineers who are going to be affected. <laughs> consider all the people who work at Facebook. It's, I don't know. It's just I like know. Really sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the same, it's the same thing I, that a lot of people had an issue with, with the potential for Amazon coming in was, sure. Yeah, the subway was going to become overcrowded, um, but also thinking about the communities that were off the 7 train mm, and, yeah. you know, thinking about people that don't work 9 to 5, so yeah. people that work overnight. And, you know, there are other cities that do shut their subways down at night to, in order to do maintenance, mm. but New York's not set up in a way that people can safely or effectively get somewhere in the middle of the night. Absolutely not. No. And it's the same, it's like part of the same people that, you know, demand that the trains work for them and be fixed and stuff like that are the same people that like really want to order takeout at 3 a.m. Totally. And it's like, yeah. well, dude, who do you think who is you making that it? and bringing it? It's like right. other shitty cities, you know, other cities like close at night for repairs because their cities kind of stop operating. Yeah. So right. People in there don't demand that everything be available all, all the, the time, time, which is what we do in New York. <laughs> those are the same people that don't tip those delivery people. Yeah. Well, that like, was late. Yeah. It, it was, was pouring rain outside, so I didn't really feel like walking to the store and getting my own sandwich. But this one was late because you rode a bike in the pouring rain. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a hellscape we live in, but. Yeah. Um, I get, the thing is, I think we originally thought, like, the L this was, like, being presented as good news. <laughs> it's like, we've just, we were just, like, unloaded on, on the MTA. <laughs> we're like, oh. I, I guess it's good that it's not shutting down. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. It sure, remains sure. to be seen. Some businesses will survive. Because that's so, the other yeah. thing, like when a lot of the argument uh, against it was that what was going to happen to all those businesses that were off the, that are off the L, yeah. all that foot traffic that they had. Totally. So, and they're already shutting down. Like there are plenty of, like there are like a billion bars that have been there since like the dawn of time that yeah. have closed down. And like, yeah. I don't know. It's like really messed up. I guess, you know, there's a bars that are open like all day starting at like 10 a.m. Right. So it's just like the Lushes who can't get their like 10 a.m. cocktail. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. you get a day off and you want, I don't know. Sure. Sorry, this is getting a little personal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just to end, I guess, on a lighter note, because sure. something that's happened in Astoria is, uh, you know, the they've closed down subway stops to make them more accessible for wheelchairs and things like that, which, which is, is awesome. Totally. Um, one, but, one stop. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one I'll just, stop. I'll just clarify. It is, it is one, one stop. stop, which is also sad, and let's yell at the MTA for that, because it's ridiculous how few and far between the accessible, wheelchair accessible uh subway platforms are but another thing that i've noticed happening is for the stops that are closed um communities so in astoria there's been like uh small business crawls mm -hmm. or small business saturdays where oh, it's encouraging people to go to these smaller stores so i don't know one takeaway from this is mm, support the community you live in absolutely yeah so please. even if your subway does get shut down because the mta is bad at everything they do <laughs> that business hopefully doesn't go away keep going yeah totally um yeah stop 
you know, you don't have to go buy your groceries in Manhattan to bring them back to totally. your, your borough. It's actually mm-hmm. amazing that people even do that. People do it. That's wild, wild to me, but they do it. Um, another piece of news from last year that is objectively sad is that we lost Aretha Franklin um, to <sighs> yeah. the heavens above, uh, which, uh, as kind of like Pat and I have been talking about, is, you know, we're kind of in this era of celebrity death, mm. I think, because we've sort of reached, I don't know, one of the one of the first big periods where, like, huge celebrities of a large media age mm. are, like, dying for the yeah. first time. And everyone can, like, see their image everywhere and has grown up watching their things and listening to them and all that stuff. So it seems to be, like, blow after blow after blow. But, um, yeah, certainly Aretha is one that I think the music world feels heavily. Absolutely. Yeah. Her, and her funeral was beautiful. Oh, did you did to, like, watch parts of it? I don't yeah. think I saw anything. yeah. Yeah, I yeah. can't remember where they were broadcasting it, but like they broadcast a lot of the speeches and mm-hmm. performances, and it was just really lovely. I don't think she would have wanted anything less extravagant than that. Either. <laughs> yeah. She like absolutely deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I once um, I like ended up seeing her at one of these weird. I'm trying to Massachusetts has one of these. And I'm trying to think of what it's called. Is it Tanglewood? Yeah, in Western Mass, yeah. where it's like one of these venues that's out doors kind of sprawling Mm. most people go because they just like buy tickets for the season it's this very like kind of wealthy thing i was gonna say it's in like great barrington yeah i went to but i went to like the equivalent of that outside of chicago Mm -hmm. and i could not tell you what it was called but i randomly saw her there that's That's awesome and it was but it was such like a funny experience because we had to we literally had to walk over to where we could see her on stage because like part of the grounds were just like picnic grounds (laughs) and that's like where I was visiting a friend's family and like they had tickets. So we all went sure. and I was just hanging out with her family and I was like, and they're piping obviously the music all around. I think yeah. there's like screens in various areas, but I was like, we should go watch. watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. like, she's just right this over there. Deal. <laughs> um, I live off the Franklin Ave C-stop in Brooklyn. And uh, once after she died, uh, all of the signs that says that say Franklin that are like kind of lining oh, yeah. the subway platform, mm. somebody got a bunch of stickers that say respect and put them mm. all above the Franklin one, like the, the Franklin word, which is like very cute. That is touching. I know. Yeah. It's, they're still there. That's yeah, like nice. one one thing that hasn't been defaced in that subway <laughs> station. <laughs> um, so yeah, RIP Aretha. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you for everything. Thanks for the music. Seriously. Yeah, music world and we're going to miss you. Um, so that's a couple things that happened in 2018 in our universe. Uh, Taylor, what was the song that you want to talk about, uh, that got you through the year? So the song I'm talking about today is called Little Fang. Uh, it's by A.V. Tear's Slasher Flicks. Um, it's like A.V. Tear is one of the singers in Animal Collective mm-hmm. or one of the musicians, I guess, like, so to speak, in Animal Collective. Um, and he has his, a bunch of solo projects. This is a project that he did with a couple of other musicians, including, um, some people from, uh, the Dirty Projectors. Cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's Great. Very, yeah. Yeah. Let's listen to a little quick clip of it right now. Oh man, so fun. Right. You can. His voice is so distinctive. Like yeah, can, I can point it out when he's in any kind of other songs. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like his his style, like his personal style, is like so jazzy and kind of like yeah. Uh, like rhythm forward and uh-huh. he doesn't really get to kind of be that necessarily when he's in the the group of Animal Collective right. but yeah. his like uh, solo stuff definitely yeah for sure it's got a, it's definitely got like a brighter 
uh, vibe to it. Totally. Yeah. And the whole album is not like that, but definitely that one song yeah. is so, so good. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to do our first impressions of the song. Uh, my first impression listening to this, I went, oh, this sounds like Animal Collective. I <laughs> uh, did not realize that he was part of Animal Collective, yep. so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, this falls into a category of music that I need to listen to it several times before I start to, like, quote-unquote, get it. Absolutely. Um, and for this one, it honestly wasn't until I was, like, on my way here today that I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I see. Like, it's it feels motivational. It's kind of fun. It's really there's like an undercurrent of like spooky vocals totally um because it does something and i think it takes a while for me to get into it because it's like affected vocals Mm -hmm. there's a lot of vibrato on it or like just weird effects on it Mm -hmm. um but once i started hearing that stuff i'm like oh this is weird and fun and i like it a lot and also i saw a live uh video of this i think at like pitchfork festival Mm -hmm. And I realized he's playing like a 12 string guitar for this. He's so talented. It's like, yeah. And just watching like his band with like their synthesizers and stuff was like this. I don't understand how they're making these sounds, but I'm enjoying watching them make these sounds. Yeah. My first thought was that this was kind of like the updated version of of Montreal. Mm. Um, Although like of Montreal is still around, obviously. Still making music. (laughs) Yeah. But when I was in college, uh, of Montreal was kind of like, peaking Mm. i guess and there was this whole uh scene around this kind of like jangly 60s revival indie rock which like animal collective was a part of in 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 many ways um but the poppier more like what you were saying like rhythm end of the spectrum Mm -hmm. uh i associate more with of montreal than a band like animal collective and this this was like kind of like that was my first thought totally and listening to it more you know it it's uh you hear more of it again but it is uh yeah the, the thing i do like about it is it has this kind of like weird like a uh, cocktail party vibe totally. to it. um and i think that's like kind of what was charming about that era of music yeah um both back in the 60s but also the revival of it was everyone's like oh this is just sort of uh fun it's fun um, yeah but as you say especially like the modern versions of it it's like very interesting to mm. listen to as well um, but yeah, why, why was this a song? So yeah, kind of what uh, you said, it's, it's, I mean, I just, I unabashedly love Animal Collective. They're my mm-hmm. favorite band and I've, uh, I'm too old for them to be my favorite band, but mm-hmm. I am leaning into that. Um, and so kind of whenever they make a solo project, I just like, uh, like eat it right up. Actually, A.B. Taylor just released a new album yesterday that I haven't listened to yet oh, and cool. I will be listening to on the train home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I kind of just eat up anything that they put out. This particular song was like, it's strange to hear an animal collective song that you could dance to yeah. yeah because they don't really uh they're not really married to consistent time signatures so that's like you know kind of their <laughs> mm-hmm. thing um so that was like a fun kind of little deviation from their norm um i think what you said about it being like kind of motivational is like so true where i just like sometimes with having it was having a bad day and just needed to hear someone be like you're something special it's like oh thank you Amy Taylor. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. i really appreciate that um and he's kind of been actually low-key releasing, like, very empowering to women songs for, like, the past couple of huh, years yeah. that, like, have kind of gone under the radar because he's A.B. Ter. Um, <laughs> but this one is, like, I, I don't know much of the story behind it, but I made my friend listen to it uh, when I first heard it. Um, and she says it sounds like he's singing to, like, a daughter. Yeah. Which is, like, very sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because, like... Uh... I could be li- hearing it wrong, but my takeaway is like Little Fang's kind of a nickname. Like a nickname, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. But that's such a 
it's like such a good nickname because it's like this is cute, but also like you are a fierce, yeah, like or like terrifying, like you can do damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like love that. It's especially if it is. I don't know if it is to like a daughter or or, or someone. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope it is. But if it's not, it's to me. And that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've always felt a, I felt a special connection to Avi Tear because. Um, his name is Avi Tear because it was Avery and he tore the R out. Uh, That's not his actual name. That's just the story behind his gotcha, name, allegedly. Gotcha. Um, and my middle name is Avery. So <laughs> we're just very connected. <laughs> That's um, cool. But yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm feeling really down and I listen to the song and it just like peps me right up. Yeah. Yeah. And where like the vocals do you get? Because um, part of the vocals goes to like higher octaves. Yeah. It's like very glittery. Mm-hmm. And then there's one bit where... It's like pitched down and it gets into this very like like monstery like, kind of monstery <laughs> totally. and it like it built this world like of almost creatures that yeah are in there so it's so funny you say that because his his first uh well it wasn't his first but his first like uh giant um like solo album was called down there and it was specifically about a swamp and so mm-hmm. i feel like creatures mm-hmm. are like very uh on brand for ABT. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, because isn't the the music video has like squirrel like puppets, puppets or, or cat like, puppets yeah, some or kind something? Of puppet, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, you saying that and sort of this imagery of like maybe a child. It that does make me think immediately of like where the wild things are mm. and how there's just this notion that it's scary, but it's like this kid with a little crown. Is yeah, gonna like that is just like conquer yeah. it, you yeah. know, and he's fine. Exactly. Um, also, a little bit of a scary band name. Maybe Terry oh, Slasher. Fix. Yeah, totally. Maybe yeah. that's, I don't know. I feel like kind of Spooky Yuki is like his brand. Yeah. Well, I keep saying brand and I hate myself for it, but <laughs> it definitely, it feels like very, uh, like suited for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but I also, I like what you were saying too about it being a dancey song. Yeah. Because even just before this, we were like trying to find a section of it and you're like the chorus. And yeah. I picked the wrong part because I was like, because <laughs> the, the verse is also catchy. Yeah, like, also super catchy. And like, for, especially for a song sort of like in this general genre, mm-hmm. it's like, I would have been like, oh, this is for sure the chorus, right? Yeah. And it's like, no, the chorus <laughs> is even more like poppy and fun. Do you know what's funny? The next song after this on the album is called Catchy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's I think pretty he good. knows. He knows. He like gets it. They flow together really well. They sure do. Yeah. He's so talented. I could talk about him all day. He's like my one celebrity crush, which is like why it's like, and it's not because I'm like, oh, he's so hot. I'm like, I just want to talk to you about your talent and like your music all day. And like for the rest of our lives, can we get married, please? (laughs) (laughs) So when it comes to music like this or Animal Collective, Mm -hmm. and what is it about their creative process that you are drawn to? I think it's just like so totally foreign to me. And like, I couldn't even try to put my finger on like how they do that kind of thing. But I also think that, the idea that it's like these four or sometimes three dudes, it's when we're talking about Animal Collective, like working all together and have been friends for so long. They've been putting out albums since like 1998 or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like very appealing to me, especially as somebody who does comedy and like I, I co-host this monthly show and I just co-taught this workshop with uh, my friend and a fellow comedian, Ava Victor, who's also an editor at Redactress. And we have like a very specific chemistry that I don't, and when we're on stage, I feel like this kind of um, like confidence in my comedy that I don't feel by myself. And so, and when people like, we just taught this workshop and a woman came up to us after and was like, thank you so much for this. Like you guys have like a chemistry when you work together. And it was like the best compliment that I've ever gotten. Mm. But anyway, um, so seeing other people have that and like achieving like great art with that kind of thing is just like speaks to me in a way where I'm like, this is 
like you could have done this yourself and you obviously did amazing. He made this album, but I don't know. They're like the fact that they like work together and they're so on the same page, but all doing like wildly different things. Like geologist is doing like the, like, um, kind of acoustic, like the, uh, Oh my God, what is the word called? He does like drums. He does like the drum kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Deacon's over sometimes doing like some wild shit. And then Panda and Avi are like so tight and have been making, we're kind of like the original members of this band. Mm-hmm. Just like watching that kind of dynamic is so, I don't know, assuring, like reassuring to me. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it you described it that way also almost makes me, it just makes me think of a group of friends that have been together exactly. for a long time, which as you've said, it's like that is kind of Animal Collective's vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like any good group of friends, like you guys might drift in different directions and have really different lives Mm -hmm. eventually. But like when you all, I mean, I'm trying the example I guess for my friends, like when you come home for Thanksgiving, yeah, exactly. And like, you just hang out again and everything's kind of like, you just pick up exactly as it was, even though like now there's kids there and there's there's, you're in someone's house, like like stuff's different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone has very different lives, but people are excited about what each other are doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not like question they're not like why oh why are you doing this it's like everyone's like on board with everything and you're and making the same together. jokes that you made yeah. in high school and you guys like have the same secret like weird words that you guys you, you know like how friend groups have like their own kind of like sayings and like inside yeah. jokes and stuff i just feel like yeah that's amazing just interpersonally and i also think it just like makes better art yes like when people are uh like a like a sketch show or something where it's just like hey it's a bunch of friends who like would do this silly bullshit like on our own time and now we're just like on stage doing it together it's like very obvious when it's people who like understand each other and know can anticipate what the next person is going to say or like do or like what their kind of brand of (laughs) of whatever kind of art that they're making is and like kind of match it and like be there like to compliment it i don't know i just think it makes such good art yeah because i've seen evan do improv Mm -hmm. where um there's been a bit that you've done on stage and Mm -hmm. like oh that's just a joke that has happened at home (laughs) or like with our friends but now it's in front of this crowd of 40 people and they don't get it (laughs) sometimes they don't there was this show on adult swim do you guys ever watch loiter squad it was only on for like two like two or three seasons but it was they gave odd future like the whole future like a sketch show um and it of course was on like very late and it was like very adult swimmy where it was like this is better if you like smoke a little weed and like just kind of let any expectations go and just like watch this and it's like i thought it was very funny because it just came out like i just graduated high school and i was like in college and we were doing drugs and we were like this is like the silliest shit ever but it's also rewatching it as like uh like later, like with fresh eyes, it's like they just let this, these friends just like do what they're already doing on and like yeah. on a TV channel, like yeah. that show. Same with like Tim and Eric. Mm-hmm. It's like those are just homies who like took their weird brand of comedy and like brought it to the masses. And yeah. that's why some people are like, I don't fucking get that show. Like, it makes no <laughs> right. sense. But they get it. And the people who do get it are like, they weren't writing it for anyone but themselves, you know? And if you like it, then like cool. And if you don't, then like it wasn't for you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, my, I think my, a subset of my high school friends but then like primarily my college friends for us that was watching Stella shorts mm. yeah. which like which seemed like three guys who low production value but like they were just making this stuff that and I think that was like a little bit of the actually I was probably too young to be totally honest because I've watched it in retrospect and I was like oh but then watching the state it didn't quite feel as like tight but totally. like just a bigger group of friends mm-hmm. but I think that does that also speaks to the fact that it's like these things are so fun to watch and so cool and unique they feel so unique because it is hard to take what is like a great interpersonal dynamic mm-hmm. and also then make good art with it totally. without yeah. like people 
disagreeing at a certain, <clears throat> there's like a certain point where they're going to start to disagree or have egos or like the things fall apart. Absolutely. You know, and to be able to see a group of people that get along make something cool, mm-hmm. even if you, it's not like for you, even yeah. if you don't totally get it. It's yeah. just such, it's such a nice thing to like witness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And having friends or collaborators that you can trust um, yeah. to be silly in front of or exactly. make odd or different choices Mm -hmm. um it's nice to like have that support system where you can fail and you will and that's fine because sometimes you get really interesting things out of that and sometimes those interesting things are bad sketch videos that you put on youtube uh, (laughs) and send out to reddit and have people reply and get very mad at you (laughs) that that sounds personal (laughs) (laughs) never done that (laughs) but you learn from it and i think that's really exciting yeah well and speaking of this also reminded me that with my group, friend, my group of friends at home, we kind of, I think a lot of us started to be friends because we played music in high school. Sure. And we were like in the two bands that were in our grade sort of thing. And a, a subset of those guys have gone on to like do music since then, mm-hmm. right? And in many ways, they've like been combinations of, of each other in different bands. Mm-hmm. They've, they've worked together. Um, and through it all, one of the experiences I think a lot of us talk about being like the most fun of all those years was one summer from college, we just like formed a collective, but we, we did basically recorded an album mm-hmm. as a loose group of like eight people or nine people where not everyone played on every, like some people wrote songs, some people didn't, some people played an instrument on one track and not another and like all this stuff. And it just went down as like one of the most fun experiences we had. And we all like enjoyed the music and enjoyed the experience. Absolutely. And it was probably the one time in the like this group of friends history that we like weren't a band trying to do something. Yeah. You were just like friends making music. Yeah. And it was like truly no stakes. There was no goal to begin with. We just ended up making something. And it's like, oh, yeah, that fucking rolled. That's so amazing. (laughs) Quick question. Were you the polyphonics Brie, be honest? (laughs) I I wish. I wish. Okay. Fair enough. I wish we had robes. Oh, they were so fun. (laughs) I saw polyphonics Brie when I was in high school. I bet that was so cool. It was bizarre. (laughs) I'm sure. It's the first... Uh, the first concert I ever went to that somebody's older sister like bought us beer. Um, That's such an exciting like moment. Yeah, <laughs> it was definitely a moment where like I was kind of hiding it because I was like, people are gonna see. I don't have a wristband on. <laughs> uh, nobody cares. No one cared. Um, I think it was it was about the time that uh, Annie Clark had been in Polyphonic Spree. I have mm-hmm. no way to confirm if I saw her <laughs> as part of that band. Sure. But all I remember is leaving that show with like the biggest smile on my face and considering buying a robe that they were selling at the merch <laughs> table. So I was like supremely indoctrinated by the end of that That's show. That's so funny. I see of Montreal every single year. Um, they just have not stopped touring. Yeah. They come yeah. through Brooklyn oh, yeah. every single Sometimes I see them twice a year because they're just here all the yeah. time. April 12th is the next one, by the way. They're playing elsewhere. Okay. Nice. Um, Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Um, and similar. I remember the first time I saw them and it was like, well, especially because the first time I saw them, it was like like right after uh, Hissing Fauna, uh-huh. which was like obviously a masterpiece and like a huge deal. And then unfortunately, I saw the documentary and that Kevin dude is not a great uh, no. father, oh, unfortunately. Um, but he does make good music. Yes, yes, yes. And there are musicians who have done worse yes, yes, <laughs> than yes. be a bad dad. Um, For sure. But yeah, I know that feeling where it's just like, you like transcend, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. Which sounds very corny, but. I think the only time I've seen of Montreal, it was it's just like they were in a big enough venue to have like some big ass puppets and like mm. really cool, yeah they, cool they, stuff. they still do that <laughs> yeah and it was it ruled and it was also at a 
odd time in history where Janelle Monet was opening for them. That is very strange. Yeah. Interesting. Because um, she was just like, I think she just had one EP out yeah. or something like that. And I also, it was a thing where in retrospect, I think we can like see why musically they go together. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but at the time, I think the audience was very like arms fold like people got into it eventually but it was kind of like who's this like i think people just like assumed like who's this r&b artist yeah out here opening for montreal but then of course she like you know uh rocked everyone's yeah. songs off and- i feel like i've seen i didn't actually see it in person but i saw like a footage of a live show that of montreal did and solange was there and it was like kind of oh. recent but maybe i don't know interesting to think of different energies was. yeah totally different but energies. like i think this was before she was like putting out these albums that were like yeah yeah incredible incredible right <laughs> but um yeah, I guess they're like just homies with everyone. Sure. That's cool. I mean, that seems nice. Yeah. They seem like cool cool bands to tour with. I couldn't name any other person in that band. Yeah. <laughs> here, uh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, so how did you how did you end up going down the road of comedy? Um, so I started doing stand up well, let's back up a little bit. Black people are born funny. That's just like something that we are blessed with at birth. Sure, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes we have to deal with the hardships of life. And so Mm -hmm. God just blessed us with an incredible sense of humor, all of us. Um, So, but I started doing stand-up in college. Um, We had like an on-campus pub that I Mm -hmm. used to just go do some at. Um, And I, after I graduated, I moved to New York fully thinking that I was going to be either an actress or a filmmaker. That's what I went to school for. Um, And then it turns out that, uh, being an actress is not just like walking around New York city and hoping somebody like notices you um, and your immediate talent. You have to like put the work in to like go to auditions and stuff. And I simply couldn't afford to like not have a job and go to auditions all the time. So that didn't really work. Um, The filmmaking thing was also like, my parents aren't rich, so I don't really have the time to like, anyway, there were many reasons why it didn't work out. Uh, And so I was like, writing is something that I could probably do without uh, an incredible amount of money in the bank. Um, And also realized that I could write my own films and write my own um, write things that I could act in. And that was like my way of doing it. And I kind of just always have leaned, um, into like more comedic writing than dramatic writing necessarily. So I got, um, a couple of summers ago, summer of 2017, I had an internship at Reductress, um, and worked there all summer. And it's a really small company. There's only four of us that work there. Um, but there, it turns out that Right at the end of my internship, there was there were two people who worked there who both got hired to write on a late night show at the same time. And so two spots opened up. So they hired me and uh, my other co-editor, Ava. And so we worked as staff writers there for a while. We got promoted to um, editors last May. So it's been almost a year of that. Cool. Um, yeah. And so, but because of that, um, we book a monthly show and... People I book on the monthly show because it's like a, like a show that people want to be on. Mm-hmm. Um, in turn, kind of book me on their shows, and so I kind of got to skip the whole going to open mics thing, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, and so yeah, now I'm doing stand up like a couple of nights a week. In addition to like, there have been a bunch of other comedy publications that have reached out to me because they've seen my work through Reductress, and mm-hmm. so now I have pieces of the New Yorker, and I write a weekly column for Vulture Mag. Um, so yeah, it's been kind of like a. Getting my internship at Reductress was like my kind of big break into things. Um, but yeah, I think the key is just making sure that you are always doing something. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. it's easy to want to do stand-up. Absolutely. And avoid doing open mics. It's And you have to go. Like, I still go to open mics, um, even though I don't. 
I like missed, I missed the phase of having to go to open mics to get like noticed by people, mm-hmm. but I still go to open mics to like work on new material and stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's incredibly disheartening sometimes, obviously just like being on stage and like doing comedy is, um, but I'm, it's my passion. Yeah. So I do it. Yeah. But I, uh, I mean, we're both huge fans of Reductress. Mm. I imagine that must be, that's gotta be such a super special thing to be kind of like at the helm of it, such a great place. It does feel good. It feels extra good when, um, I guess I kind of don't see, I love Reductress because I'm like a comedy nerd and I've yeah. like known about it for like a really long time. Um, but I guess I don't see like random people on the street and assume that they know what Reductress is. So whenever someone is like, when I'm on a date or like when I'm like talking to a, like a person at a bar or like meeting a new friend, it's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm an editor of this company called Reductress. And they're like, and I'm like I go to explain what we are and they're like, oh my God, no, I love Reductress. Mm-hmm. That's such a cool, like such a big deal. That feels good. And like, oh yeah, my God, yeah, like yeah, our, yeah. you know, our writing is like reaching somebody. Or when people send me messages that are like, this is, especially the stuff I write that's like about race, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of black Twitter. If, if black Twitter likes something that I write about blackness on Reductress, that's when I know I've like written a good article because they are brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've nailed it. Exactly. If they like, and by they, I mean, we are brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I am black yes, Twitter, yes, I guess. Yes. I sometimes forget about that. Yeah. Um, um, well, so it's funny because I think earlier we were talking about like, you you were saying something about looking at music and musicians and like, oh, how do they do that? Mm-hmm. You know, it seems crazy that, these things exist but i think a lot of people think that of comedians as well mm-hmm. um and i don't know if you like run into muggles who like ask you that well, you know and they're civilians. like civilians <laughs> but it really is there's like how did you even come up with that idea and um yeah i don't know like i i'm i don't i'm not even really asking that question because i think it's sort of like a weird question to ask sure um because most of us are like right we pull from our lives yeah but then it's like we're we're trying to make something that will like also make a random person who's this is not their life. Sure, we want it's like them to laugh. relatable, exactly. Right. But at the same time, in, in the same way, it's like sure, Animal Collective made that really poppy album, Mary with a Post Pavilion. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. hating on it. It was a good album. Every song was brilliant, but it was a like a like a crowd grab. Mm-hmm. It was like a way to get mm-hmm. more people, people who wouldn't listen, necessarily listen to their weirder stuff, to like listen to them. Um, and I think in the same way that it's like you can make art for yourself, and then you can deviate from that slightly and like actively make like take a step to make art that is like more relatable to people so that you can go back to making art for yourself with a bigger audience and i think that's i think it's important to do both because if you just sit at comedy clubs and tell jokes about like your shitty wife or like uh like at open mics all the time you're not going to get any bigger than that because it's not really you're not doing comedy because like you love comedy you're doing comedy because like you need an outlet Mm -hmm. which is like you can do both um but also yeah i don't know i think that sometimes i see musicians or i have like musician friends and I feel the same way where I'm just like, it's such a, a foreign thing to me, like to just sit down and like write lyrics to a song or like pick up a guitar and like make up a tune. And I think some people just like have it in them, like picked up a guitar, pick up a guitar and like feel a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it must be similar to like what I feel when I get on stage and tell a joke yeah. where I talk to friends and they're like, I don't, I have no idea how you do that. I'm like, I, could, I don't have any idea how I do it either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I just like, it feels very natural to me and I feel very in my element. I never feel more in my element than when I'm like telling jokes on stage and people are laughing. And I imagine musicians yeah. feel the same. Yeah, I, d- I don't think this is a one or the other type of thing, mm. but if you can follow, uh, it's like, do you feel more like in those moments that you're, you're like the most, y- you like the, f- you are the, th- the thing that is like uh, coming out 
or do you feel a part of like a flow that is outside of you that is, uh, th- you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's sometimes both. Um, for instance, like when I'm on stage with Ava, like I was talking mm-hmm. about, it's definitely like there's a dynamic there. There, like we're if we're doing a bit, it's like jokes that we thought about beforehand, but also because we have just like this kind of chemistry with each other, it's like very much so jokes can just come naturally from like what we're doing on stage. And I sometimes think those are the funniest jokes, the ones that just happen like that you that aren't like premeditated, if you will. Um, but also some and that also I was gonna say, and then here's the other side of it when I'm by myself on stage, but that's also not totally true because <laughs> you can be on stage um, and like one time I was on stage and the sound guy accidentally started playing like a song in like the middle of my set and that turned into like a whole bit um which wouldn't have happened i obviously couldn't have come up with that on my own and like known that would have happened or even (laughs) planned it um or sometimes there's like a heckler in the audience or someone's like way too drunk and they're like Mm -hmm. being really loud and like that can become a bit or something has just happened in like the news that you can get up on stage and talk about um and so i think it's yeah like you said it's definitely not one or the other it's like Sometimes I draw for myself and sometimes I'm just like going with the flow of like what's around me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think in a similar sense, like going and looking at this song, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of it that I was sitting there listening, going, how, why that choice? Yeah. How did you get to the point where this is the song that you're making? Exactly. And I think a lot of it is probably some level of, we've been putting out music and practicing and we have the things that we like. And then there might be that moment of just outside influence totally. where they, I don't know, hit the wrong button. And and go, like, oh, that and sounds cool. It happened so many times. I bet there's like so many stories about that. I read, I watched a video about the creation of the song Atomic Dog by mm-hmm. um, P- uh, P-Funk. P-Funk. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, literally it was just like, uh, what's that guy's name? George Clinton. Yeah. Like did some crack and like, <laughs> and, like thought of like a funny phrase. It was like, why is the dog chase the cat? And he was like, oh, actually like, and then they just got in the studio and started making it. And it's oh, like, wow. this song wouldn't have been a thing if you didn't have this like drug thought, you yeah, know? Yeah. And so like, but I, yeah. So I feel like a lot of art and like inventions and like other things have like come out from just like a, like an accident basically. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, like a happenstance. It's, it's, it's why, right? Like a lot of artists or it, they tell you to like, you just need time to mm. idle. Like you need time to experiment to, yeah. to kind of like dick around Absolutely. for lack of anything better. <laughs> That's like kind of why the, the, I think for musicians, especially it's like such a luxury to have studio time because mm. mm-hmm. the more time you can be there, the more it's like, Obviously, some people probably go down the rabbit hole in like a bad way where they're just like, sure. put synths on everything. <laughs> and you're like, come on, man, like you're a rock band. Like, let's just, but, but at the other time, it's like when, when people have spent the time already mastering their craft and like already being great at something, it's mm. like those become tools, not, you know, like deterrence or distraction. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also just going back to what you said before, sometimes I listen to any song, but specifically an animal collective song. And it's just like, I imagine it if there was like, there's like a weird sound effect going on in the background, right? Maybe not even musical, just like a noise. They like love that. Um, and I imagine how the song would sound without that. And it just like wouldn't feel complete. And I'm like, what, how did you know it needed this? You know, like yeah. how did you know like this like animal noise that you've distorted and like run backwards like a million times? How did you know like it specifically needed this? Um, and that's another thing where I think it's just like, they just know. There's no explaining it. Like you just know. <laughs> yeah. I think from like, uh, music or even writing perspective for mm-hmm. me at least um, there are moments where you look at work for, of somebody you admire mm-hmm. and get completely overwhelmed with the fact that they made this and yeah. how would I ever make something similar absolutely um, but to think about it as well it's there's building blocks 
we've taken the time to build this out um, or something like that with that animal sound. Yeah. It's sometimes it's just, I don't know, let's put it in there, see how, and it, see goes. how it goes. Yeah, totally. And you know, there's no such thing as perfection. So I wonder how often like even animal collective put together a song and just You're go, like, we just need to get it out. The door. Yeah. This is, this give is it its own life. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God, I love this. Yeah. 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 Um, I feel, yeah, this is like a little bit of a tangent, sorry, but yeah, I, I love to cook. It. So I feel the same way about cooking where sometimes I'm like making a sauce or making something and I'm like, what does this need? And I'm like, oh, a little bit of acid. Like I can mm. throw some vinegar in this or like some lemon juice in this and it's going to really round out this flavor. And I only know that because I've just been cooking for so long, yeah. Yeah. you know, and I like know how to, what, I, I know like what spices go together and like what doesn't work and like what kind of fish you should use with this sauce or what kind mm-hmm. of wine you should use in this sauce and like that kind of thing. But I didn't always, you know? Yeah. And so I'm look, sometimes looking back on like the food that I used to think was like good that I cooked for myself, like in college or like in high school. Sure. It's like, oh, now I have all this knowledge because I've been doing it for so long that I wish I could go back and just be like, don't eat this. <laughs> like make yeah. this better. Yeah. The next path I would like to go down is understanding what wines pair with what foods. <laughs> uh, because recently I bought a cheaper box of wine Mm -hmm. and should not have done that because when i ate when i drank my wine after the ice cream i was eating it tasted like metal so interesting was it red wine it was red wine yep that'll do it they're very metallic red wines i'm more of a white wine person because it's also i'm more of a seafood person i don't even mean i eat seafood and so white white wines go with seafood that's one thing red wines go with beef yeah it's probably also my fault for pairing red wine with caramel ice cream so yeah, but also sometimes me. you got caramel, dark it. caramel. Like, I would say caramel and red wake. wine. Yeah, yeah, but depends if it's like a lighter caramel flavor, mm. more sugary than smoke, like you know, dark kind totally. of yeah. molassesy. I think your yeah. main problem was the boxed wine. No, that was don't skimp on that because <laughs> this tasted like they had put like synthetic smoke into it. Oh, gross. there's that there's a lot horrible. of issues there were, happening there were here. Problems. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I experimented. Hey. I learned. And you learn and, and you, you survive. And that's survived. important. Some of our ancestors experimented and did not survive. <laughs> they were like, these mushrooms could be, yeah. <laughs> could be, could be delicious. <laughs> there are a lot of fucking berries out there in the world. Yeah, right. And we know which ones not to yeah, eat. So, yeah, so our brave ancestors. <laughs> Salute them. Thank you also, for your service. <laughs> I learned a fun wine fact yesterday that oh, I yes. do want to share with our listeners. Yes, and that is if you were cooking something that is like specific to like a region or a country, then you should use a wine produced in that region or country if the recipe calls for it, because it'll taste like it's supposed to taste. Yeah. Like, because uh, yeah. people in Makes sense. people in France weren't cooking with Italian wines; they were cooking with French wine. So, I mean, you can cook with Italian wine or French wine for a French dish, and it'll taste like the wine will be in there, but it's not mm-hmm. how it is authentically supposed to taste. But that, of course, requires a lot of money and wine knowledge yeah. that I simply do not have. That is such a like common sense, but I would but imagine you wouldn't think almost that. always overlooked. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I read. Uh, the, I read. An, I was reading an article about this like very specific uh, Swedish or Swiss Swiss food, and mm-hmm. they brought that up, and I was like. Oh my god! <laughs> Where the fuck yeah. am I going to get a Swiss wine right now? <laughs> it's, they actually said in the article they were like Swiss wines are like really rare and expensive, so we're just using an Italian wine. And I was yeah. like, so why did you even tell me that? <laughs> like, to make you feel bad? Yeah, make oh me feel gosh. poor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, would you share uh, one setback from the past year with us? Setback. Hmm. I let's see. I think that I'm having to get used to getting rejected like professionally mm-hmm. um which i guess i'm trying to look on the bright side of because getting rejected means that more publications are reaching out to me and i'm like able to pitch like writing to more publications but it's always difficult to be like wow i wrote this masterpiece i'm so proud of it i can't wait for it to run and people to see it and for the editor to be like yeah sorry it's just not a fit and it's also like lots of places that you pitch you have to write the whole article 
and then send it to them. And then they're like, yeah, we don't want this. As opposed to like at Redactors, we write a headline and the, the, our editors are like, yeah, we want this or we don't. And then we write the article. So it's hard to like put hours of work into something and then someone be like, no, this is shit. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess like a lot of, a lot of rejection professionally. Yeah. Um, and that's been a bummer. Kind sure. Of. What about um, like a step forward of the past year? Um, well, I got promoted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. So that was good. Um, that I had my first general meeting this week, which was also cool. Um, so yeah, I just feel like I'm moving forward in my career very slowly, which is not in my nature. I'm like incredibly impatient, but maybe that's the maybe that's the plus is that I'm learning to be patient and like deal with rejection. This is a silver lining. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing your year with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, where can people see you and or keep up to date with you? Um, so I'm on Twitter at, at @casualafro, um, or on Instagram at, uh, at Taylor Garen. Um, on Twitter, way more. Um, I have a couple of shows coming up. There's, I guess, it won't make sense if you're. This will come out. Yeah, probably like April, end of April. Oh, okay. Well, I host the monthly. I host Redactors' monthly comedy show. We have one once a month. Um, called Ha Ha Wow. Um, the one in May is on my literal birthday. So Ooh. y'all should come. It's gonna Happy be birthday. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to be 27, which is like, wow. either going to die this year yeah, or I'm going to live forever. Yeah. You know? Congrats. <laughs> so I'm like, here's hoping. Fingers yeah, crossed. Exactly. We'll Are there, do you your friends have any betting pools on you or anything? I don't think so. Um, I have very positive <laughs> okay, friends. Great. I'm like the most depressed out of all of my friends. So. Um, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Read my writing all over the internet. Yes. Read her writing everywhere. <laughs> Um, you can keep up to us, up to date with us at Repeater Show on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and also Repeater.show, which is our website where we put everything. Um, you can find me me at eblarden on both of those social network platforms. Uh, they're so fun. You are so fun on those platforms. I meant the I platforms. I don't know about oh. me, but <laughs> yeah, platforms are fun. I'm but, at but now. Pat- now, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm at Pat Cartelli on most of the platforms. All cool. the platforms. Find me on platforms I'm not on. Yeah. There's so many platforms. There's a lot of platforms. There's only going to be more as time goes on. I I predict that. The only one I'm not Pat Cartelli on is Pinterest. Somebody else took that from me. Wow. That fucking sucks, dude. I know. So if you want to find me on Pinterest, Patrick Cartelli. Yeah. Um, and we, we really appreciate anyone listening to this show. Uh, it means a lot to us that you would tune in, spend uh, your time with us. Um, it would also mean such a great amount if you could rate and review the show, which is a thing every podcast is going to ask you to do. But we are a small but mighty little podcast, and it would really help us out. Um, in fact, if you give us a five-star rating, we're going to read it on the pod. Whoa. So That's an honor. You could like write pretty much whatever you want uh, assuming it's not hateful or uh terrible but you know give us like a fun recommendation tell us about a, tell us a little story you know spin some yarn on there if yeah. you want to but if it's a five-star rating we're gonna read it and i think that's cool it is cool yeah um so please have at it we appreciate you listening already but that would be even more appreciated and um, while you're at it, just tell a friend, somebody that likes comedy, somebody that likes music. Word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about that's how you get to skip the open mic stage. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's the real life algorithm. It yeah. truly is. We go straight to uh, whatever uh, podcast uh, empire Amazon's probably building right now. I can see it. Yeah. I can like yeah. feel it. For sure. Yeah. Um, but Taylor, thank you so much for joining us of again. Of course. Thank you for having me every yeah, time. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. Everyone out there, please thank, thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Hit repeat.
Repeater is hosted by Evan Ford Barden and Patrick Hartelli. This episode was recorded at Magnet Training Center in New York City, where they offer classes in improv, musical improv, sketch writing, storytelling, and more. Find out more at magnettheater.com. Visit us online at repeater.show for live dates, hot music tips, and show archives. Theme music by the Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. Friend just got a puppy and he wakes him up every morning by just sitting on his face. <laughs> like just pl- plopping his whole butt right in his face.